Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, and she is Tam. Hey, Renee, what's up with you? How you doing, Miss Tam? Everything is kosher, as the old folks would say. <laughs> <laughs> like a pickle? I don't know. Do you know that term when people used to say everything's kosher? No, not really, but... Okay, um, that's an old school term. I was just going with it. That was a little education <laughs> for you. It's an old school term. I don't know where it comes from. And I don't really know exactly what it means. I guess kosher like and kosher foods, so everything's clean. Yeah, well, I, the only thing I know true. kosher is maybe a pickle, but that was about it. Well, no, like kosher foods, you know, I don't know. Okay. okay. Yeah, I got you. Like kosher meats or whatever. Kosher meat, yes. Okay, everything's kosher. How was your weekend? Weekend was fantastic. I was as Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> I know. As everybody knows on Twitter and our Instagram and everybody that knew that I was out in Vegas for a whole week performing at the Tropicana, it was absolutely amazing, fantastic. One of the better trips that I've had out there. And I know... I know being out there for a whole week, uh, I mean, literally a whole seven days is very, very long time to be in Vegas. And uh, especially when you're out on the strip and just being around all the festivities leading up into the Memorial Day holiday, it was one of the better trips that I've had. And I think I was only down 150 bucks by the time the entire trip was over. And for being out there for seven days, that's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. So I'm assuming you did the oldest trick in Las Vegas. You went, you took, well, I guess you couldn't take a roll of nickels because now the machines take paper, but you sat at the slot machine and you waited on the waitress to come by. And as soon as she came by, you pretended to be playing the slot machine. And you said, excuse me, I'll take a vodka and cranberry, please. You know, you know me so well. <laughs> That's the way we used to do it back in the day when I went to UNLV. I was an underage drinker living in Las Vegas, playing that trick all the time. Well, you know what? It might be an old school trick, but it's still a new school trick too. So uh, <laughs> it, the, the, the same rules apply. So uh, it was just a fantastic uh, week of shows. And I met so many wonderful people, especially I want to give a shout out to people just from Canada. And I don't care where in Canada, but it seemed like everybody that I met in Canada was just downright awesome. They were just crazy. They knew how to party. They were a little out there in a sense of like just over the top, but but still within the realm of, of not being like, what's, uh, I guess, what can I say? Uh, how can I put it? Obnoxious. Of being rude and obnoxious. Yes. And maybe because we were all on the same level, that might've helped. Now, if I would have been sober and met these people, then they would have been really annoying. But maybe because we were all having a good time, they were just some of the the most funnest people I've ever hung out with, man, is people from Canada. And it was just a, a really nice, awesome set of people to really get to know, because I don't think I've ever really hung out with Canadians like that before ever in my life. Well, Canadians are very happy people. I'm going to go out on a limb. Somebody's going to hate us. Do not send us any hate tweets. But <laughs> Americans can learn a lot from Canadians. Because they are a very happy country, unlike yeah. our angry country. But on that note, just my weekend, I didn't really do much. It's just crazy. I'm, I'm going to get my life. That's what I'm going to do because this is a reoccurring situation. Every weekend, I don't really do much. 
I did stay close to home. I had some writing that I needed to get done and was working on a website for a friend. So I was working on that. I did go out with my boy Sherman. You guys know Sherman. We talked about him last week on the podcast. He was also in Vegas. He was actually in Vegas with a girl. I'm going to tell his story really quick. He drove to Vegas with a lady friend of his and they were turning up a little too hard. So he decided to leave her there and come back home. I was like, dude, that relationship is over. He tried to explain to me she was there with her friends. I was like, but she drove up with you. So I don't know. But nonetheless, he came back and we actually hung out on Sunday. We went to this Huntington Library here, which has all these various gardens and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys know, but I kind of mess around with the camera a little bit. So we we took out our cameras and were shooting. Then we went and had dinner and we attempted to go to see Han Solo, the movie. And oh, awesome. Yeah. When I walked up to the box office, she was like $32. I was like, for two tickets? Wow. That's and she was so like, no, expensive. for one. I was like, well, no, I oh need my two God. tickets. And she was like, that'll be $64. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. $64 for two tickets. I was like, I'm confused, but I'm not that confused. You're like, look, I, I didn't ask to be in the movie. I want her to go see the movie. Exactly. So this IPIC theater, they charge $32 because they give you a blanket. I'm like, is the blanket sterilized? Like, I don't really like, Jesus. I don't understand. But saying all that to say, so that was pretty much one of my days. And then the rest, like I said, just some writing and then you know, I prepared myself on Sunday for the greatest day of racing. I'm very proud of myself. I only took one nap, but I t- actually took a nap prior to the Formula One race, which I enjoyed the Formula One race. But at the same time, I was a little bit of, I guess, as Lewis Hamilton said, he, Lewis Hamilton said it was one of the boringest races he ever took part in. I'm, paraphrasing his quote but for the most part he said that he was bored and I felt the same way with the Formula One race I mean Monaco you don't expect much because there is almost impossible to pass but right, right. it just kind of was ugh, blah the only excitement was when we saw Tom Brady prior to the race throwing the ball to Ricardo who actually won the race that was, I guess, the oh, highlight of Monaco. Indy Race was really good. Shout out to Will Power. His celebration of Victory Lane was awesome. He showed so much emotion. His wife was like, oh, my God. She couldn't believe that they won. I actually thought the like, low-key, out of the three races, the IndyCar race was the best because we had, what, three or four accidents. I think it was four accidents, including Danica, who we'll talk about in a bit, but Danica's done. I hated to see her go out like that. And I actually felt so bad that so many people were talking crap about her on Twitter because we we haven't said this in a while. And this probably will be the last time we'll ever say it. But as Renee and I always used to say, we're not Danica haters. We're just not Danica fans. Right. We haven't said that in so long. I know. And you're right. That's probably going to be the last time that we say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's going to be on an ESPY, so we may talk about her a little bit. Oh, you never know. It depends on her performance there. (laughs) Hopefully she doesn't fall off the stage or crash up there somehow. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I felt bad because I actually felt that I needed to defend her because here's the thing. If 
driving a race car was so easy, we would all be race car drivers. Granted, she crashed out the Daytona 500 and she crashed out the Indy 500. So the Danica double went down. I don't want to say down in flames, but it went up in a wreck. I don't know. You guys can think of something clever to say. But she was done. I did think the Indy 500 was the better of the three races on the greatest day in racing. Right. As for the Coca-Cola 600, it had its points. Ryan Blaney's car caught on fire, which was crazy. I mean, I was like, he's still behind the wheel. Like, stop that car and get the hell up out of there because it was really on fire. It wasn't like it was a little fire. It was a lot of fire. And you got to be thinking to yourself as a spectator just watching that, whether you're a NASCAR fan or not, and you just see a highlight on that. I mean, you have to sit there and, and look at that car and go, is that guy like literally, can he feel the heat? Can he feel the burning of that car? Like, and because to me, I'm thinking, oh my God, like I would have tried to jump out before that car even came to a complete stop. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not professional. Let That's me just true. tell you something. They, he ran the car on the grass. I was thinking the grass was going to catch on fire. Me, I would have stopped the car right then and there and got out. Ironically, our 2017 Coca-Cola 600 winner, Austin Dillon, his car didn't catch on fire, but his whole cockpit had filled with smoke at one point. And I was like, can he even see anything? And how he managed to keep it away from going into the wall, even just at a slow speed that he was going to, I was like, gosh, man, it should give you the, the mental state of, of how awesome these guys are behind that wheel. That's just pure talent that you're witnessing right there in front of you. Well, I live in California where you stop, drop, and roll. And I would have stopped, <laughs> jumped, exactly. and rolled. Look. <laughs> well, I guess I would have stopped, dropped, and rolled because I would have stopped the car. I would have dropped the the window thing. And then I would have jumped and then rolled. So stop, drop, jump, and roll. That's what I'm saying. Right, right, right. Before we go any further... I will give you guys the top 10, although I don't really feel like this episode, we're going to talk much about the Coca-Cola 600. I'm almost sensing a little bit of fatigue. I don't know if it's because the race was so long or because it was the greatest day in racing and we raced the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix followed by the IndyCar, Indianapolis 500, and then the NASCAR Coca-Cola 600. But I don't want to drill too much on that, but I will give you guys the top 10 just as a refresher, just in case we need to refer back to it as we're going through this episode of All Turns No Breaks. Right on. Our top 10 from Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600 included Kyle Busch, who made history. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Yep. Haters gonna hate, but shut the hell up. Ooh, y'all like that rhyme, huh? Yep, that's Tam freestyling. Yes, Kyle Busch took the checkered flag and drove into victory lane. Martin Truex Jr. was the runner-up in second place. Denny Hamlin, third. Brad Keselowski, fourth. Jimmy Johnson, fifth. Jamie McMurray, sixth. Kyle Larson, seventh. Kurt Busch, eighth. Alex Bowman, ninth, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was in 10th. There weren't very many notables from this race because, ironically, there were only nine cars on the lead lap when the race concluded, which was pretty wild, if you ask me. Some people would say that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to the Coca-Cola 600, but 
for there to only be nine cars on the lead lap and you race 400 laps? Uh, that's a pretty, pretty interesting tale of the take. One of our Twitter friends, Mick Rose, his user is GoDucks42 underscore Mick. He actually posted the results of the Coca-Cola 600 for a few years, and I'm just going to read through it really quick. In 1980, only two cars were on the lead lap at the conclusion of that race. 1985, three cars were on the lead lap. 1987, one car. 1995, three cars. 1996, four cars. In 1997, there were 17 cars on the lead lap, but there were only 333 laps. 1998, nine cars. 1999, seven cars. 2000, there were 11 cars. 2001, 17 cars. 2002, 11 cars. 2003, there were eight cars on the lead lap, but there were only 276 laps. And in 2004, there were 13 cars on the lead lap. Wow. What he's saying is, is that in his exact words, because I'm going to quote him from his tweet, he said, 2018, nine cars. 2018 sure seems old school. Hashtag just saying. He proved that same on NASCAR, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's a um, thing that you get used to seeing, I guess. It's uh, just like a routine of something that I guess like, like when you go back and look at it and the way that he broke it down like that, even to look back on, on the early part, like in the 80s and even in the in the 90s, how there's one, two, maybe like maybe three cars on the lead lap and you're going, wow, God, how did that happen? Like, like how many wrecks were there in that in that race? It's amazing when you look back at that and you compare it to what we see now. You know what I mean? This race was a little lackluster. There wasn't very many accidents, wasn't much action. Literally, that's what you're going to get at a mile and a half track. People get lapped. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only other notables, well, the notables, I guess I should say, I'm going to point this out because there was some history made, not not Kyle Busch, but Kevin Harvick, who I picked as my winner as well as my alternative, he didn't even finish the race. He actually made history, unlike Kyle Busch, who made history for being one of the first NASCAR drivers in history to win at every track in the cup race that he's competed at. Kevin Harvick made history for his first time ever coming in last place. That's crazy when you think about it. He's been racing, what, 18 years, I think it has been? Yeah, I believe so. I may be wrong. I don't know. I'm pulling. You know what? That's so funny when I'm comfortable enough where I can talk NASCAR all day, every day. I'm not a historian, but the more and more I talk about NASCAR, sometimes I just pull stats and facts out my head. I could very well be wrong. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like he's been racing about 18 years. Yeah. I could be wrong now, but nonetheless, just say 18 years, give or take that. That's incredible for him never to have come in last place. What else did I want to talk about from Charlotte? Oh, Jimmy Johnson, your boy, Jimmy has some stuff to say. He got a top five finish because he came in fifth, but yeah. he said it, it feels good, but damn, I want to win. You know what, Jimmy? But damn, we want to see you win. Like, you missed the seven time. I know. We need something to talk about. The storylines are getting a little dry. So can you win so we can talk about you? Yeah. Coming in the top five, coming in the top 10, 
that's not really a good story as far as when it comes to Jimmy Johnson because we're used to we're used to him rattling off wins like Kevin Harvick has, like Kyle Busch has, and it just doesn't seem like it's a it's a big enough issue to talk about when you just come in fifth place or the top ten or you break the top ten. We are used to seeing this guy win, win, and just keep on winning. And I, I don't even know, Tim. When's the last race that he won? I, and it was obviously last year. Yeah, last year. Now, it's funny he was talking about fifth place because he also said, quote, I'm tired of running fifth. I'm tired of running whatever it is. We had to overcome a lot tonight. Really proud of these guys. Wish that I could have got this special paint scheme into victory lane with the soldier we were carrying on the car today. <laughs> He's yeah. tired of running fifth, too. When you're a champion... You're a champion, and it's just not acceptable. Like, we haven't really been talking about the NBA playoffs. I think maybe next week we'll kind of dive into that because it'll actually be the first. When we get back on the podcast next week, it probably will be the second game of the series yeah, for the I NBA believe championship. So. so we'll jump into that. But And, um, you know, uh, real quick, I just want to just throw that out there. Uh, since we ju- you just touched it. Uh, he wanted to talk about his Rockets. I just want to give a shout out to that Warriors team. They, they are just unbelievable. And, uh, the fact that, uh, my Houston Rockets took them to seven, I'm very, very proud of that team. And hopefully maybe they can make a, just a small adjustment in the off season and, uh, we'll just see what happens next year. In any case, back to NASCAR. <laughs> Back to NASCAR because that's all he can say. Your boy James Harden. Yeah. He just can't get right. That's all. I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to talk some NBA next week, though. Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely going to talk the NBA that, the next week. Yeah. I don't even know where I was going with that whole. Oh, I was going to talk about LeBron. You know, LeBron is great. He willed his team to greatness because he's, he's with the bad news bears. He has a sorry bunch of teammates. He's a one man bandit, but he will, willed himself to make it to the championship. So Jimmy's going to have to do something. He's going to have to take his lemon of a car and make lemonade. Something's going to have to happen. Yeah, really, seriously. Definitely need a miracle. Miracle as in Dale Jr. coming back. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just threw that out there because I feel (laughs) like, dang, like Dale Jr. left Hendrick and everything just went up in smokes. Like, get it together. Not that they were running that great last year because – Jimmy was the only Hendrick driver to win the race last season, right? Yeah, I believe so. Dude, like on a side note, I'm going to have to look into that because Hendrick, if you think about it, they haven't won a race this year. I don't recall them winning any races last year other than Jimmy because Dale didn't win last year in his final season. Chase hasn't won a race yet. And who else was running for them last year? I didn't even think about that. Oh my goodness. Okay. First of all, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Who is the fourth? Oh, well, no, actually it was Casey Kane. Casey Kane won a race last year. Yeah. So then they only won two races. Wow. Wow. That's something to digest when you're talking about Hendrick Motorsports has only won two races. They've only seen victory lane or victory circle, whatever you want to call it in one year, two races. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Wow. I would have never even thought about that until you brought it up because you're right. I mean, when you put it into a perspective of having those kinds of drivers on your team and you've only won two races, I mean, in the time frame of what we're talking about, that is bizarre. (laughs) Seriously. 
<laughs> well, wow. Such as NASCAR. Yep, yep. That's just, that's racing. Speaking of Dale Jr., we can talk about some Dale Jr. Uh, if, if you want, Tam. I, I can touch on Dale Jr. here real quick. Over this past weekend during the race, there's two things he was doing. One, he was talking about his book because uh, the book is coming out soon or if it hasn't come out already in, in some places. And there's still questions about how, how and why he quit. And of course, I think everybody at this point understands why he, he retired. And there were some questions about, I think, personally, like he, he mentioned this on his own, in his own words. And I, I won't quote because uh, I, I don't have the quotes with me, but basically I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he was saying. But he was saying that he knew that he had possibly a few more years that he could have raced competitively at a high level. He knew that he wanted to stay racing and competing at a high level, but because of the symptoms uh, from the concussions that he had and what he knows about because of, of what the diagnosis that he had, he shared it in his book and he tells everybody why he had to retire. And because of those symptoms, it prevented him from competing at a high level. And he was really disappointed with that, Tam. And I believe him. I, I, you know, I believe that he probably had a few more years to go. And I don't mean just two. I think Dale could have competed for another four years, minimal, at least, and maybe even a couple more beyond that. But I understand of, of what the symptoms that he ended up getting and what the diagnosis was from the concussions that he had. I completely understand why he retired. And then there was a picture that they had on the internet of him holding his wife from the back and then the baby on her shoulder. And Tam, I cannot begin to tell you what a beautiful picture that was. And I mean, you just look at that picture and go, wow, that is just life right there. And, and, it, and, and there's no other excuse that man could give other than that picture of going, go ahead and retire and, and just ride off into the sunset the way you want, brother, because that, that picture is, and if you haven't seen it uh, to any of our listeners, uh, you can go online and, and look at it. And it, it's an amazing picture of him and his family. It is fantastic. I don't know. Did you see that picture, Tim? I did not. And I'm actually shocked that I haven't, but I'm definitely going to look for it because you made it sound so heavenly pleasant. So yes, I'm going <laughs> to check it out. Yes, uh, please do so. The only other thing that he touched on as far as Dell Jr. is concerned is that he did give a shout out to Danica Patrick right after her career was over. And, uh, and I know you talked about that earlier in the uh, podcast when we started. It did not end well for her, obviously, as you stated. As soon as he saw that, he tweeted out saying that he wanted to thank her for helping. Because I don't know if most most people know this. And, that, and to be honest with you, Tim, I didn't know this. But back in 2012, when she switched to NASCAR full-time, she drove for Dale Jr., his second-tier Xfinity Series team, JR Motorsports. And he thanked her for doing that and thanked her for helping, not just coming over and driving for his team, but helping move his team forward uh, to where it is now. I didn't know that. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic that he did that, giving her a shout out like that. And he said that he was also just disappointed in the way that her career has come to an end, but that he was thankful that she walked away from the wreck in good health. And now she can move on to the next part of her life the way he has. And as you know, Danica has so many things going on. It's unbelievable the, the things that she, Tam, now she's only 36, if I'm not mistaken. She's 36 or 37, but I believe she's 36. Danica has her own clothing line. She has her own wine company. 
And she's already put out her own uh, health fitness book. I mean, she has so many things going on. It's, it's unbelievable. But it's sad to see the way that her career ended. I hate to say that the things that she's done over her career probably might not have resonated with a lot of fans in general. But Tam, let's be honest. I think what she's done from a female standpoint of view in, in a sport that's highly run by men, I think she's done rather well, but more than that, has opened the doors to a lot of young women that want to jump in the business and race any kind of car, whether it's stock car racing, Xfinity truck racing, indie racing. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. The fact that she's opened doors like that is is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, she set herself up nicely for life after racing. She's pretty much the entrepreneur and. We're going to see, I don't know if we're going to see more of her on screen, but she will definitely be hosting the 2018 ESPYs. We'll definitely talk about her one more again, as we will say one last time, I'm sure. Even though we've said that that is going to be the last time we talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> her, it seems like something else is going on. She's done herself justice. She set herself up right. We'll continue to check in and see what Danica's doing. And I'm sure the tabloids like TMZ will, they'll keep us up to date because once the NFL season starts, we're sure she's going to be in Green Bay sitting in the box watching her future Man. husband during the game. <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. What else is going on? Let's go back for a little bit. I came across this really interesting article and I just want to share with you guys about the greatest day in racing, which you guys already know is Formula One, IndyCar, and NASCAR all running in the same day. There was an article on thecomeback.com. I was doing a little bit of research for my own article that I wrote for The Drive. You guys can check that out. It's on thedrive.com. And it was pretty much a recap about the Coca-Cola 600. But in doing this research, I came across this article. And I just want to read some excerpts from the article really quick. And I'll tell you who the article was written by and all that stuff in a second. But it says, of all three of these sports, NASCAR is facing perhaps the most serious question. It says F1 will always be the premier racing series worldwide unless it collapses from within. And no matter how anonymous drivers at Indy remain to the general public, well over 200,000 fans still flock to the Brickyard every Memorial Day weekend. But from its high point at the beginning of the millennial, NASCAR has seen a decline that has only hastened in recent years. Last year, the Indy 500 outrated the Coca-Cola 600 for the first time in 10 years, which says more about NASCAR's plight as that was still near a historic ratings low for Indy. This year has been more of the same for NASCAR as the first four races of the year set are tied multi-year lows in ratings. So I'm just going to skip. And again, I'm not reading a complete article. I'm just reading some highlights. The article goes on to say the all-star race last weekend at Charlotte had fans confused and drivers irate with a ridiculously gimmicky set of rules. Of course, there are a multitude of factors which have led to NASCAR's decline. He asked the question in this article, is it the cookie cutter drivers who look more like they came from the cover of GQ than their ancestral counterparts 
who originated the sport from running moonshine in the 50s and 60s as legend states. Then he goes on to say, is it the even more cookie cutter tracks that make places like Texas and Charlotte and Atlanta and Kansas and Kentucky blend together as one? Has NASCAR tinkered with this rules, cars, and championship formats one too many times for viewers to keep up? Then he goes on and on and on. But I read all that because I want to point out something to you guys. You'll never understand this, but guess when this article was written? Renee, can you guess? I'm going to guess it was written probably uh, sometime recently, I would imagine. You would imagine yeah. incorrectly because, believe it or not, this article appeared on thecomeback.com in 2016. Wow. Now that's wild because as I was reading this, and it's a pretty thorough article and it's pretty long and it, it breaks down each sport. So it breaks down Formula One and its flaws and it breaks down IndyCar and what's going on with IndyCar and it breaks down NASCAR. And ironically, in every section, whether it's IndyCar, Formula One or NASCAR, it was almost like everything that the writer, and for those who are interested, this article was written by Matt Yoder, who, as his bio says, he's an award-winning sports writer at the comeback and for the awful announcing. It was like every section was just written this weekend. And it's pretty mind-boggling because the parallels of what's going on in NASCAR today versus what he foresaw in 2016, they're eerily the same. Even the section where I was reading off about the All-Star package. Wow, man. Remember, that was a whole Twitter debate. People felt the All-Star race package was gimmicky. And those were his exact words. Right. I remember that. Yes. And I remember that. It's just interesting, too, because even like taking a look at IndyCar, he talks about how IndyCar pretty much is on the come up, even though they have problems. The Indy 500 is still obviously the most famous of all of the races for IndyCar, but the attendance was going up. Wow, that's so, so interesting. So as he wrote, and again, reminding you, this was written in 2016, he writes, this year's Indy 500 actually sold out for the first time in 20 years. Perhaps there are signs of hope for the race and the series. Huh. And as we know, there are signs for it because it's been pretty steady since the 100 running of the Indy 500. And as far as his comments on Formula One, we all know Formula One went through a bit of turmoil when they sold the league. The owners, when this article was written, no longer own the Formula One franchise. I just wanted to read that. I don't know if I made a point or not. The way I took the article is that Things are still messed up for NASCAR. And this article was written in 2016 and those things still hold true in 2018. And there is no foreseeable fix in the future. And it almost as if we're going to have to weather the storm because it seems as if it's going to get worse before it gets better, especially with the pending sale of NASCAR that nobody really knows what's going on if the friends family is going to sell or not. That was that. I don't even know where we're at in the show. Should I read a fan comment of the week? We did not do our NASCAR talk this week because it was Memorial Day and I just kind of felt there was no reason to do NASCAR talk. People should enjoy some barbecue and beer on the holiday and recognize the troops and whatever else they do for the holiday. We did not 
actually have our NASCAR talk, but we'll be back next week. On that note, I feel like I already read a fan yeah, comment basically. because I read, <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I re- well, I read that long article, but I also read Mick's comment earlier regarding how many drivers have. Right, I think you killed two birds in one been stone. Been on the lead lap at the it? conclusion. <laughs> what was that? I said, I think you killed two birds in one stone. Is that the correct saying? Yeah, like I said, I I already read his comment about how many drivers was on the lead lap at the conclusion of the. Coca-Cola 600. So that was the fan comment of the week. Let's go into some predictions. Renee's favorite part of the show. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Some predictions. Renee, who you got? Where are we at this weekend? We are in. We're at the Tricky Triangle, baby. We in Pocono. We are in Pocono. Miss Tam, and I believe it's one of your personal favorite tracks. No, it's not. Where did you get that from? I know I was being sarcastic. Yeah, no, it is not. That's like saying that I'm a fan of road courses. Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to say this, and I'm just going to say this straight out. I mean what I'm going to say, and I'm going to stand by it. Now, it's obvious that nobody other than Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch can win a race, apparently. So I am going to tell you that I don't know who it's going to be. But I guarantee you it's going to be either Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick. And why anybody should pick anybody else is beyond me because it seems like these are the only two race car drivers that can win a race. And so with that being said, I'm actually going to go with Kyle Busch again. And if I have an alternative pick, I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick. And I'm going to continue to do that, Tam, until I see another driver win a race because this is insane how much these two drivers are just on a different planet. They just are. And it just seems like they're competing against each other. And when Kevin Harvick mentioned that this was just like a game at one point to him, I feel like it's starting to get that way with Kyle Busch as well. I'm going with Kyle Busch to uh, win again and Kevin Harvick as my alternative pick. And I'm sticking to it, Tam. And and, and I'm going to continue to do that each and every week until I see another race car driver win a race. Renee always sticks to his picks until he doesn't. How about that? <laughs> On that note, I'm going to give you guys your weekly history lesson. So get your pencils School and your paper ready, session. boys and girls. Past 10 winners at the Tricky Triangle at the three-turn track known as Pocono. Include 2018 winner Casey Kane, 2009 Tony Stewart, 2010 Denny Hamlin, 2011 Jeff Gordon, 2012, Joey Logano, 2013, Jimmy Johnson, 2014, Dale Jr., 2015, Martin Truex Jr., 2016, Kurt Busch, 2017 was Blaney. That's when Blaney won his race last year. Notables, because we always got to give you some notable notes. Denny Hamlin is a four-time winner at the Tricky Triangle. Kurt Busch is a three-time winner at Pocono and Jimmy Johnson has also won three times at Pocono. Going back to Hamlin, yeah, he's a four-time winner, but his last win at the Tricky Triangle was in 2010. So I don't know if that means anything because he hasn't gotten it done at that track in a long time. If you notice, I did not say Kyle Busch's name. I did say Kurt Busch, but I did not say Kyle Busch. And that's because Kyle Busch has only won at this particular track one time. Because as we've established, he's won at every track at least one time. He won in 2017. We raced twice a year at Pocono. And he won the second race of last year. 
the second race of the 2017 at Pocono. And if it wasn't clear, what I just read to you guys were the past 10 winners at Pocono for the first race of the year. Because I know you guys want to know who I'm going with. I feel like Harvick is going to redeem himself from actually his first ever last place finish. Mm -hmm. But I also want to pick Kyle Busch. And I also want to pick Denny Hamlin because quietly Denny Hamlin is knocking at the door. Yes. Like he finished third in the Coca-Cola 600. Without further ado, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick again to win. I'm sticking with my man, Freaky Fast, number four, Stuart Haas, Ford Fusion <laughs> in Victory Lane. And then I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin from Joe Gibbs Racing in that Toyota. I don't know if it's going to be the FedEx Toyota for Sunday's race, but <laughs> maybe we'll see the number 11 in Victory Circle. Yeah. Oh, right. Or Victory Lane or on Victory the French Yeah, there you go. Taking the checker flag, however you want to say it. Well, okay. So those are my picks, Renee. There you go. There are Tam's picks. Those are my picks, ladies and gentlemen. And we always love to hear from you on our social media across the board at Turns No Breaks. Real quick, listen, you guys. I do uh, want to give a, a shout out real quick to uh, Kyle Bush again, just for the simple fact of what we were talking about and what Tam alluded to a, a few minutes ago of the fact that he's won at every single racetrack. And that is an amazing thing and something that he had been wanting to do as a kid uh, to win at every racetrack, uh, not only just to race professionally, but to win at every racetrack in the sport. Uh, that's an amazing feat. And for your childhood dream to come true is just absolutely amazing. Shout out to Kyle Bush and his team for making that happen. And a shout out to uh, all the military troops over the weekend. I hope everybody's Memorial Day was fantastic. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to search for All Turns No Breaks on Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone or Google Play if you have an Android. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode of All Turns No Breaks. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have friends that love NASCAR, make sure to turn them on to All Turns No Breaks. Tell at least two friends to subscribe to All Turns No Breaks, if you can, please. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram across the board. Make sure you follow us at Turns No Breaks, like I just mentioned. If you want NASCAR news directly in your email inbox, head over to our website, allturnsnobreaks.com, and sign up for our newsletter. For Tam and myself, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 